Duncan last week kicked off a, a new series that we're looking at as a church called Jesus Culture. And he looked at how Jesus wants uh, people who are dependent on God's word. Or to put it another way, that we're a Bible-based people. That's what Duncan was looking at last week. And today, I want to look at how God wants us to be a people of his spirit. A spirit-filled people in order that we can enjoy his presence. And also live in his power in the fallen world uh, around us. And today, I've got three things Just three things I want to to bring to you, and then we're going to finish by having a time of just inviting the Spirit to fill each one of us afresh, and just inviting him in. So just be preparing your your hearts for that now. But the three things I want to look at with you this morning is the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want to look at the power of the Spirit, and I want to look at the presence of the Holy Spirit with you this morning. So... uh, If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Ephesians. We'll be jumping around the book of Ephesians. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this. In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory. So note for the Apostle Paul, the mark of a true believer, of a Christian, wasn't that he was a a very nice guy or or girl, a bit like Ned Flanders in The Simpsons. That's not the mark of a true Christian. It's not even that they go to church regularly. That's not part of the mark either. For Paul, the, the mark of a true Christian is that they were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living in us is the authenticating sign that we have truly been born again. And notice it's not just the Holy Spirit, or as some people these days like to say, Holy Spirit, rather than you know, drop the, the Holy Spirit a bit out of it. But um, it's the promised Holy Spirit. It's the promised Holy Spirit. You see, since the days of Eden, when mankind was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, out of the presence of God, man has not been able to approach God in the way that he once could. Yes, God in his grace allowed men and women to to call upon his name, yet it was a far cry from what they had experienced in Eden with the presence and the relationship they had with God. Even under the old covenant, the people of Israel, when Moses is leading them out of of Egypt and is in, in the desert with them, you get that famous passage in Exodus chapter 33, verse 16, and, and where, where God is saying to Moses, actually, I'm no longer going to go with Israel. I just can't cope with the sin, that they, uh, their sinfulness. And, uh, and Moses is, is praying and, and begging God. And God says, all right, then I, I will continue to be with you. And Moses says these words, if you don't go with us, don't send us on from this place. Because what else makes your people distinct other than your presence amongst us? Moses recognized it was a presence of God that made the people of God distinct. Later on, you see him say this in a different way. When he's struggling to manage all the 
the, the, the problems that are going on amongst the people. You know, there was uh, over two million of them there. Imagine how many uh, issues must have arisen just sort of living together. You, you think when we, we go together to Catalyst or something like that, and we all live in tents quite close to each other, sometimes it can get a little bit, you know, little, there can be a little bit of tension there. You know, just, just, just a little bit, but there can be a little bit of tension there between husband and wife or between uh, this family and, uh, and this family because we're in such close proximity there was a lot of issues going on and so God and Moses were struggling to deal with these issues and so Moses said to uh, uh, God said to Moses I'm going to take 70 elders to help you manage the workload that, of, of all these people I'm going to take some of my spirit that's in you and put it on these 70 elders. So he calls a meeting, and 68 of the guys turn up to receive the Holy Spirit. Two of them don't even bother to to turn up. What what great leaders they're going to be. But yet God, in his grace, pours out his Spirit on them. And even the two that stay in the camp receive the Holy Spirit. And Joshua comes running up to Moses and says, they're they're, they're prophesying in the camp. Stop them, Moses. And uh, Moses says says to Joshua these words, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the people were prophets, that the Lord would put his Spirit in them. You see, in reality, due to God's holiness and our sinfulness that it was only in the, under the old covenant it was only on special people for special purposes at special times did God's spirit be upon them it was on people to to give them wisdom in leading the people of God into into battle so like with David you know go and attack them this way oh next time go and attack them but don't attack them this way go around behind them hide in the trees until you see hear the sound in the trees above you then go and attack them and you'll have the victory the spirit of God was on David to lead the spirit of God came upon Samson even though he wasn't a particularly uh, good man and gave him strength to beat his enemies and kill them the spirit of God was on Elijah to prophesy even to the pagan king uh, Ahab who or the apostate king Ahab who was leading Israel astray he could say before the, uh, uh, I stand before the living God and it won't rain but by my word for the next three years so God's spirit was on certain people at certain times for for a specific purpose in fact even the whole old covenant system the Levitical system only helped reinforce the fact that God is holy, God is other, and you can't really approach him. Only the high priest is allowed to approach the holy of holies, and that only once a year. And it's not recorded in the Bible, but it's recorded in history. They used to tie a little rope round the high priest's ankle, just in case God struck him dead, and so they could pull him out of the, of the holy of holies, because they were concerned that even he might not be good enough just that once a year. And yet, God spoke through the prophets of a coming day, a promised day. It says this, these will be familiar verses to you, in Joel chapter 2, it says this, verse 28 to 29, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on my male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. 
Jeremiah 31, verse 31 says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then in Ezekiel 36, 26, you get this. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. There was this promised day of the spirit that would come. Now the strength of a promise depends on the person's ability to deliver it, their capability to actually do it, and their reliability, whether they they stick to their words. Sadly, we live in a day where people are all too happy to promise the earth, and yet no, they can't fully deliver it. If you looked at the uh, uh, American elections that happened uh, last year, now, there was a good example of promising the earth, and yet actually they knew they couldn't deliver many of those things. If I was to mention a few names uh, to you this morning of different trades, then uh, it'd be interesting to see you know, your reaction, not you know, what you think in your head, but the reaction in, 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 your, in your body, uh, as I said. You know, just, just give a check, because most of us may have uh, uh, had an issue with some of these uh, types of people before. If I was to say to the name to you, estate agents, door-to-door salesmen, second-hand car dealers, or even insurers, you know, sometimes they, they can promise you the earth and they can say all sorts of things, but the reality is something very different. Yet God's capacity is limitless. God's ability to do what he has promised is total and God's reliability is absolute. He does what he says he will do. So this promised age was certain to come about. It was just a matter of time. And of course, because we live this side of Jesus, we know how God fulfilled that promise by sending Jesus, who lived that perfect life, the only person to fully please God in all his deeds, in all his words, in all his thinking uh, as well. And yet he chose to go and die on the cross for you. And for me to take the punishment of our sins, the things that we have done, said, and thought that are wrong, that are offensive to God, he took that on himself on the cross so that he could pay the punishment for the things that you and I have done wrong. And that not only that, but that we could get given his righteousness so that when God looks at you, even on your bad days, if you're a Christian here today, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't see you with all your sins and, uh, and mistakes. If you've given your life to Christ, he sees the righteousness of his son on you. And more than that, more than just being forgiven and given Christ's righteousness, he puts this promised Holy Spirit within you. He seals you with the Holy Spirit to cause you to want to live for God. So after Jesus' resurrection 
and ascension into heaven just 50 days after they crucified Jesus. The day of Pentecost comes where God's spirit, this promised spirit, is poured out on all his followers. And the church age, the age that you and I live in, should be one that is characterized not by cucumber sandwiches, but by the spirit of God at work in us. He is for every one of us who believes. He is the birthright of all believers. In fact, he's already been at work in you. He's at work in you, convicting you of your sin in the first place and leading you to Jesus. And the moment you put your faith in him, in Christ, he comes and makes his home in you and starts giving you the desires to, to live for God. But he also is wanting to fill you with the power, with his power, so that you can live your life to the full extent that God wants you and wants me to live. You see in the same book, in the book of Ephesians, if you were to jump a few chapters forward into chapter 5 and uh, verse 18, you see the same book that tells us we are sealed with the Holy Spirit also tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that comes just before Paul launches into a list of practical things that he wants how we live out the Christian life and also how we engage in spiritual warfare. But the first thing we need to understand is that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the word there be, as many of you would have heard before, is in the present continuous tense. So it's a be being filled. Go on being filled. So you see, so we talk about the sort of baptism in the Spirit, the moment that, that, that you first receive this infilling power of the Holy Spirit, and you ask, it, ask for God to fill you like that. But, you know, it's more than that. It's, it's about a regular filling of the Holy Spirit. I can say to you, oh yes, I was, I was baptized within the Holy Spirit in October 1995. I can, I can say that to you. But I know... Since that time, there's been times when I've been filled with the Spirit and running on God's power, and there's been times when I'm running on empty and just doing things in my own strength. God is wanting you to be filled regularly with the Holy Spirit. How are you doing this morning with the Spirit? My friends, where are you at at the moment? You know, that day that we did the baptisms in, in, in South Sudan, it nearly didn't happen. It only happened because of James's faith. Because we had the vehicle to get there, we had all the stuff that we needed, and yet the vehicle's tank was empty. And there was no petrol in the, the nearby petrol station because of uh, supply issues. But James was in faith that somewhere he would get some petrol from as well. You see, there's no, a car is great for getting new places, but it's just a dead weight if it's got no fuel in it. And my friends, you need the right kind of fuel. You can't just put water into a car, otherwise it's not going to work. You're just going to damage the, the engine and the mechanism. And you see, and when we're safe, when we become Christians, so often we just sometimes just try and carry on doing things in our own strength. It's like we're, we're trying to uh, put water into the car, if you like, just doing things we would naturally do. And all you do then is just do it in your own ability. God wants to infuse you with power from on high. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit so that you can live 
for him. And thankfully, James was able to, through uh, some sort of dodgy dealer, able to find a few jerry cans of uh, of fuel and pay three times the price for for this fuel so that we could uh, get there. Apparently, it might have even been jet fuel or something like that. But anyway, the car car worked and we were able to to get there. But, But, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is your birthright as a believer. He wants to fill you. He wants you to receive more and more of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not because of you, not because of your obedience, but because of the promise of God that you're, uh, you're entitled to, to be filled. God wants to refresh you this morning. You feeling dry? You feeling like you've been through a difficult time? Has it been a hard slog? Even if not, even if you're feeling on fire for God, there's more. There's more. It's not like this, this bottle that you, know, you, you, can, you can fill it up and there's, you can get no more. And it's more like a balloon that you can just, but a balloon that doesn't pop. It can just keep getting bigger. More and more of the Holy Spirit in your lives. You see, the Spirit is the one who gives us a desire to, to live for God. He's the one that put, if you like, who puts the laws of God on our heart and causes us it to be written on the inside or to put it in New Testament language he's the one that produces the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life of love of joy of peace of patience of kindness of goodness of faithfulness of gentleness and of self-control and my friends we all need to grow more and more in these areas the Spirit is the one who gives you the power to become more Christ-like in your character. He's the one that anoints you so that you can manifest the nature of your heavenly Father, showing yourself to be true sons and daughters to the world around you. My friends, allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Allow him to shape you. Allow him to fill you more. You know, my kids have these remote control cars. I'm sure you, know, you would have seen them around. And they're fantastic. They're, they're great. You can, you can drive them around and they, they can make jumps to them, which my boys like doing. And they zoom them up the jumps and they, and they zoom off. They're absolutely fantastic until the batteries begin to wane a bit. They don't last very long, these batteries. They're actually quite expensive in the end. But uh, uh, because as soon as the batteries lose a bit of their power, then that jump that it could so easily do, it can no longer begin to make it up the ramp. And then very soon, any bump in the floor, it, it gets stuck. It hasn't got the power to keep going. My friends, is your spiritual tank low this morning? Are you struggling living the Christian life? Are you struggling with issues? You need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. If you do, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. He wants to give you the power so that you can, you can, that you can uh, win in life. That you can find it not necessarily easy, but you can have the power to do great things. Not just struggle to do little things. My friends, are you here this morning and maybe even hindering the Spirit's work in your life? My friends, don't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit by doing things that you know the Bible forbids us to do. My friends, God has the best for you in this life. Let God govern your life. Let him lead your life. It may not be the life you expected or initially wanted, but God is good 
And he is trustworthy. And as you trust him, he will bring out many good things and many blessings that you never expected. So remove those barriers. End those unhelpful relationships. Stop watching those programs that you know affect your character and affect your godliness and draw fresh strength even this morning from the Holy Spirit to live for him. But more than this, the promise of the Holy Spirit is not just for change of character, but it's that your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Some people need no help in that. That's why they come to church. They can uh, dream dreams. <laughs> it's easy. But uh, that you can dream godly dreams, uh, uh, that is. Or to put this in the New Testament language, that you can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Corinthians says this, 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Note that, it's for the common good, it's for everyone's good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another, the work of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God wants us to be a church that are filled with the spiritual gifts, that are filled with people flowing in the spiritual gifts for the common good of all. You know, I loved it that last week, and some of you uh, probably won't know this, but la- last week, someone, a-, a guest came along here who was from another church, and he was at the back happily singing in tongues, and someone next to him got uh, the interpretation of the tongue. That, that he was singing. It wasn't a public tongue that he was bringing. And they just said, do you know what? God's just given me the interpretation to what, what you're singing and was able to bless the man by bringing that spiritual gift. It was for the common good. We're called to be a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are operating in spiritual gifts regularly for the good of the body and the advancement of the kingdom of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit today. He does. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. It's true. And he wants to give you power to be transformed and power to live and power to excel in life. But just more than uh, power as well. God's Spirit is more than power, my friends. When we're entering the the deep truths of scripture here now, my friend, it's about the fact the presence of God can dwell in you and live in you. See, Moses realized this. Moses, arguably one of the greatest men used by God to demonstrate the power of God in in amazing ways, parting the sea, all the plagues of uh, of Egypt, uh, and those, those sorts of things. God used him incredibly, speaking to a rock and water coming out, all those sorts of things. He knew about the power of God, but his prayer in that Exodus 33 wasn't about, would your power go with us. It was, would your presence go with us? It was a presence of God. 
My friends, Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 to 22. For through him, we both have access to one, uh, in one spirit to the Father, as Sam was saying this morning. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. I nearly said slaves of fear then, but no longer strangers uh, and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostle and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then get this verse, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Hallelujah. My friends, the culmination of Paul's great prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 is this. He says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. It almost sounds blasphemous to say that, but it's in the Bible, so it must be true that you and I can be filled with all the fullness of God because the fullness of God dwells bodily in Christ Jesus. And Christ, when you become a believer, is in you and you are in him. So you can experience something of the fullness of God. And Paul here is praying that you don't just experience a little bit of it, but that you experience the fullness of God in your life. We're called to be people filled with the presence of the living God in our lives. My friends, do you love the fact that you know God? Do you love his presence in your life? Do you desire more of his presence in your life? Do you treasure those moments? I love these moments when we gather together to uh, to, to seek God and we, we experience something of the presence of God. It's so much more than, a, oh, I, I suppose I should have my quiet time today. I suppose I should read the Bible and pray a bit. Oh, Sunday, I suppose I better go to church this morning. And I don't really feel like it's been a hard week. I like a morning. It's much more than that. It's about we together, we can meet with God. You as an individual in your room can meet with the living God and be filled with his presence in your life. It's the, it's the greatest thing ever possible. It should be impossible, but through faith in Jesus, it is made possible that you and I, men and women, can be filled with the fullness of God. God makes his home in you the moment you believe, and he begins to transform you. You have access to him through the throne of grace, always in Christ Jesus. Yes, this is true. These are deep truths. But there's something of the experiential nature that Paul is praying here and that Paul is writing here in Ephesians that we can experience something of the fullness of God in our very lives. Moses knew it to be true. Elijah knew it to be true. So even when he was standing before Ahab and all the false prophets, he could say, you know, as, uh, as the God of Israel uh, lives, before whom I stand, so much did he have a consciousness of God in his life. It was like he was standing before God. Gabriel, when he rebukes Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, for his lack of faith, what does, he draw, what does he draw his rebuke from? I stand in the presence of God. 
He knew that he was someone that was close to God. And yet you and I, friends, we can have the fullness of God living in us. Something that we experience. My friends, we want this church, Christ Church, to be a church that is known for the presence of God dwelling here amongst us as we gather and dwelling in your lives as you go out in your workplace. I love that thing with the disciples where after Jesus had died and the, and the, they, the, the Pharisees are quizzing them and it suddenly says, how can these unlearned men be, give these answers? And then it says, oh, and they, re- they recognize that they had been with Jesus. My friends, have you been with Jesus? Are you enjoying Jesus' presence in your life, filling you, being with him? You know, and I'll come into a close with this story because I want to leave plenty of time for us to pray together. When I arrived in Caperta on that, on that mud strip in, in the airport um, there, which is, is just a field uh, with a mud strip, uh, I arrived, got off the plane, and there was all these important people along the side uh, of the airstrip. All these, all these dignitaries, and they're sitting in the middle. You knew he must be important. Uh, was Louis, the, His Excellency, Lu, uh, the Honourable Louis Lebon Lejore, the governor of Eastern Equatoria State, or now called Caperta State. And he was sitting there, and all these dignitaries were around him. So I said to my friend James, oh, it's nice of you to line up all these dignitaries for, for me to, to go and greet. But of course, they weren't there for me. The governor had been summoned to uh, go to Juba to spend time with the president. And so all these commissioners and uh, local MPs and that sort of thing all gathered to be in the presence of the governor and to spend time with him before he went off to this important meeting. They just wanted to be with him. And also they depend, their lives kind of depend on him. So they want to they, want, they wanted to spend time with this man. My friends, the King of Kings, the Lord of all the universe, welcomes you into his presence. He wants to fill your life. He wants you to want to spend time with him. He wants you to allow him more access into your heart, into your thinking, into your, into your work, into all that you do for him. Won't you allow this to happen? Won't you allow him that access? God wants us to be a people who are spirit-filled in order that we can know the presence of God in us and have the power of God to live in this fallen world for Jesus and bring him much glory and bring him much fame. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.